Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And it is your boy, Trey. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast Thursday show. There's Hazy. We take a look at the oeuvre of an Oscar winner and the knower of cinema, Mr. Martin Scorsese. And what are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we're watching Silence. You know how Christians think they're persecuted these days? Well, this is about a time when they actually were. <laughs> and is this everybody's first time seeing silence? Uh, yes. Yes. I, I'd seen five minutes of it, so I'm not going to count that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what, guys? First Azies. Dude. Awesome. I did not see this film. It was in a year that I just didn't get to see a bunch of movies, and mm-hmm. I kept meaning to watch it every time I saw it on Prime or Hulu, and just never did. Yeah, it was even on Netflix, and that's what, like one night I was like, "Oh, new Scorsese on Netflix! I need to watch it." And I went to watch it, but it was late, and I fell asleep, so I didn't go back to it until now. Crazy! Yay! Honestly, sometimes I think I uh, set up this side podcast so that uh, I could have an excuse to finally watch this movie. I don't yes. blame you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm shocked that you haven't seen it. I mean, not a whole lot of people have, apparently. So, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, go, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, honestly, until we did the podcast, I never even heard of this film. Oh, I was so excited to see it. I just didn't get a chance. And then yeah. I just neglected it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have some thoughts in a moment after yeah, yeah, an Oscar breakdown. Break it down! All right, our Oscar breakdown. This was nominated for one Academy Award. That Academy Award was Best Cinematography, giving Rodrigo Petro his second nomination, but he loses out for some reason to Linus Sandgren for Blah Blah Bland. Mm. 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 Well, mm. In all fairness, that's one of the only good things about that movie. This the cinematography is good, so so is the editing. Yeah, I just don't think they were Oscar worthy. That's me. It ain't better than this. Mm. Hell no. <laughs> and it wasn't better than Moonlight. No. <laughs> Moonlight. All right. Well, let's talk about this film. This film. Yeah. So when it came out, I um, I knew that it had been a passion project. For Marty, that you know, he what twenty five years or something. He twenty. Mm-hmm. I think they said twenty eight. Yeah, another one of those ones where someone gave him a book and he's been trying to get it made. It was, and it was supposed to be his next project after a whole lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Now, did y'all read up on the lawsuits that he had because of him constantly pushing this film back? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah the the studio that had the rights to it that were trying to get him to direct it sued him for breach of contract for not fulfilling oh yeah uh, it was it was crazy too it was something you know either one or 1.5 million for each film that he filmed instead of this one plus up to like 20 percent of the back-end revenue that he made off of the other films that he chose instead of doing this film and uh, they reached some sort of settlement and that was never disclosed to us so i can guarantee you Marty paid a pretty penny out of that lawsuit. Probably. I, I see here it says uh, he first read it when he was invited to a, by Akira Kurosawa to Japan. I know, that was crazy when I read that. 
that's that's a nice and i've never seen that there. movie can y'all believe that dreams seen dreams i've never seen dreams it's good you should see it oh i i'm sure it is but your kurosawa does not miss if i made films they'd have a samurai <laughs> <laughs> um uh, this film had samurais too yeah it did so first off okay it is gorgeous. It definitely deserved a cinematography nomination at the very least. It's incredible. Um, should have should have gotten a production design one too. I started off not sure about Andrew Garfield. Like I was like, is this a bad accent? But I know I know we try not to get too hung up on accents, but it was throwing me off for a little bit. But he gave such an emotional and raw performance that I just kind of went with the accent. Mm-hmm. And he was excellent. God, he's so good in this movie. He's so good. Adam Driver's so good in this movie, too. Hell, yes, he is. Dude, yeah. I, I love Adam Driver. I literally haven't seen him in anything where I'm like, yeah, he sucked in that. Like, he's just so good. Yeah. yeah. I, that that one where him and Tina Fey are brother and sister and their family sit in Shiva. Not the greatest movie in the world, but he's still excellent. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think it's called "This Is Where I Leave You." Oh, okay. You know, I um, people give crap on Kylo Ren, and I, I think he—it's probably one of his weaker things, but he's still good. But his dramatic role—nothing's his fault, and and no, and any no. sort of anything. And I trust me, I got plenty of qualms. If that's the if I said that word right, with qualms, yeah, qualms. There it is with some of the stuff they did with Kylo Ren, but. Mm-hmm. It definitely has nothing to do with him. It was yeah. all decision making above him. You know, he's just doing his job. Right. Just I so. think he I think he plays a toxic fanboy very well. True. And he's definitely a toxic fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Dude, you know, um, you know what I really love about the cinematography since you mentioned that first was it's really shot like a Japanese epic is shot mm. yeah and i love that about this film like it had an authentic japanese feel to it really really good yeah and it's i think it's visually a lot different than a lot of stuff we've seen from scorsese i mean oh absolutely a thousand percent you know he works with a lot of different photographers and cinematographers yeah. but i i think he's being a lot more uh stayed and not as Mm-hmm. frenetic mm-hmm. I was, and, that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say a lot of it is very focused on because it's a very conversational movie anyway so mm-hmm. it's very much focused on the person and it just stays versus like you were just saying there's not a lot of the swooping stuff that he likes to do on a lot of the films that we watch on here yeah and, and when those things do happen they they really stand out and they're really done with purpose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially the violent scenes. I'm, this film is violent. Yeah. Like, but it's not too yeah. much. You know, it's not riddled with violence. There's maybe five or six, like, really, really vital violence mm-hmm. in here. But damn it, they're pretty. They're up they- there when when dude got shot, dude. I'm telling you, I did not see that coming when he's having the conversation and homeboy just walks up and slices off his fucking head in one swift motion. And then they physically show the head rolling 
and it's like right in front of um what's his name in the film rodriguez yeah Yeah. rodriguez in the cage and it looked real and authentic and then they showed the body without the head too and i'm like dude that was fucking awesome it was so cool (laughs) you don't see stuff like that in a lot of they'll cut yeah even game of thrones i don't think did anything where they showed a head rolling so yeah yeah no you know like you said violence but it's all very purposeful you know scorsese is always purposeful with his violence but yeah and his violence is always very unpleasant yeah well and people fun to watch people forget that and uh, you'll see this in a lot of like other japanese films and i don't know if you've ever seen ip man but Uh with bruce lee's teacher but you know for us now the japanese are known for like honor and being polite but these guys were ruthless back in the day i mean i know we talk about china being savages but japan was fucking ruthless to people the amount of torture that they did to people for hundreds and hundreds of years is up there with you know colonizers and shit dude like they really would come in and do horrible horrible things to large groups of people and we got to see a little bit of that in this you know that kind of totalitarianism is it it always looks the same yep does not discriminate nope it doesn't matter where you go whether you're in germany or russia or even america Mm -hmm. it it always looks like this Also, what I love about these old pieces is how disgusting just humans are. Because we would still be doing these things if we didn't have, like, laws in place. Let's just call it what it is. Like, people are just disgusting (laughs) to other people. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. And there's always so many weird justifications, especially when you get into religious stuff. It's just insane. Yeah, I can't imagine some of the things these... uh, people went through um you know when they they like wrap them in the hay set them on fire the Mm. drowning thing and they're like poking them with the stick and keeping them under the water and then fuck i can't remember adam driver's character it starts with a g gerardo uh does that sound right Garupe. Garupe. there you go yeah he swims out, you know, trying to save that last person, and he ends up drowning with them. And yeah. it's so, dude. And I'm just gonna swing this right on back to fucking Andrew Garfield because yeah. I don't think there's an actor on his level that can tell you everything he's feeling in his face. Like Andrew Garfield's facial expressions and everything that he does, even fucking Spider Man. Yeah. Like you know what he's feeling at all times. It this man is incredible. <laughs> he's yeah. so good, and I haven't even seen half of his catalog. Yeah, you should you should see Ninety Nine Homes. I just added that because it's on Amazon too. It's so good. So I added it. Yeah, to my list. You know, and I uh, I talked about it uh, on the episode. Was it? yesterday <laughs> with um hacksaw ridge even though mel gibson's a piece of shit andrew garfield is amazing in that movie and he rips your heart out he rips your heart out here so he's just 
how much how much is he in Hacksaw Ridge? He's the the main guy. He's oh, the okay. Lead I've actor. never seen it. Honestly, I didn't know he was in this movie till we till I started the movie, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's in this movie." I just yeah. I didn't know Adam Driver was in this movie either. I just thought it was Liam Nielsen's like movie. Well, and that's that's why I like the poster design is because much like Gangs in New York, Liam Neeson is a specter over the entire film. Right, right. <laughs> so he's he's not Force in it. Ghost. Yeah, he's not in it much. <laughs> But his presence is always felt in this film. I will say that versus Gangs in New York, that this has a completely different feel for how pivotal he is to the plot. Like he's just like the the bad guy villain in Gangs in New York, where like the child grows up hating this man. You know what I mean? Versus like this, where he persuades Andrew Garfield's character to quote-unquote come to the dark side you know what i mean give it up give the faith up type stuff and um i got a question do you know who was the narration voice of jesus it was cheering heinz who the 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 priest who they talked to at the beginning at the beginning that, okay that sends them cheering heinz. what else have i seen him in uh Did he was see, in uh, belfast Belfast. Oh, yeah. he was in Belfast. The okay. Grandpa. Yep. He was okay. a grandpa in Belfast. He's a Tinker Tailor. Which is on Slater HBO Spine. Max now. So, but yeah, those scenes really, really like hit, especially with like the Jesus portraits, the um, like the Van Gogh stuff. Yeah. And random like iconic Jesus portraits. And they would like zoom in on it. And dude, it it was really man. They did a really good job of making stuff very powerful. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's sometimes um, it's hard to get into uh, religious films, but you know, with this trio of Last Temptation and Kundun and this, you know, Marty Marty doesn't. They may be long and slow in parts, but he doesn't ever make it boring. He always finds a way to make it interesting and, you know, finds the human elements and tells stories that um, are true or or myth, depending on what you're looking at. But, but yeah, I, I, I like, you know, looking at this side of him where he kind of steps away from what he's been doing. And it's also insane to think that he made this after... Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? it? Goes from Hugo to Wolf of Wall Street to this. Yeah. You know, he always makes the same movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that perception though, because those are his most famous ones. But, yeah. you know, as we've done this podcast, I've realized that my favorite pieces of work from him aren't that. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as I, I, I love all that, I love Departed and Wall Street and Goodfellas and stuff, but I've got a real big appreciation for, like, this and Coon Dune. Like, Coon Dune was so good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, but it's really hard to talk about this film without you know, getting like you said, philosophical. Yeah, like you said, so much of it is conversation. conversation. So it's it's a film that you need to sit down and pay attention to to get a lot of the, the details and um you know uh caitlin walked in sort of towards the end of it and she saw 
where he's in the basket and they're doing the ritual, you know, the Japanese ritual kind of mm-hmm. um, burning of the basket. And she's like, oh, that sucks. But and I was like, no, it's actually, they're like a customary Japanese, I keep wanting to say the word burial, but it's not what, what is the correct funeral. word? Funeral. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like they're crossing over it to the yeah. other side and purifying of the body so the spirit can be cleansed and go on and right. to the afterlife type thing. Yeah. And then when they zoom in to show that his you know wife had put the cross in there with him, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's touching, you know, knowing what all these folks have gone through, what he went through, what he had to witness and what he had to, you know, sacrifice his truth, but, you know, keep, keep the honor with it. And for him to do that or, or for her to do that for him too, at the end is, was beautiful. Yeah. And I, again, the whole just explanation of you know, the, what, what did they call it when you revoke your faith? I forgot what the word was they kept used. And it starts, that's what a P, a, right? Apostatize. There it is. That's yeah. the word. That's the word. Apostatize. Okay. So they were talking about like those people have already given up their faith and they're still killing them. It's you that they want to give up your faith and they'll stop murdering people. So then you have that full conflict of, you know, what would Jesus do? type moment and ah man i love when they do the you know this because they really break you like the the japanese people that like that's their whole mission is they're going to fucking break you and that final broken point is when they make you step on the the jesus uh what what do you say car starts with an f uh, Fafume or whatever. Yeah, Fafume or whatever. It's like, we're so desensitized to it because, you know, it's 2022. But, like, these guys back then, like, they would... I don't believe anybody walking this planet would legitimately die for their faith. I really don't. I don't believe there's anybody walking this planet that would die for their faith. They might die for their own personal convictions, you know. But I don't believe anybody would die for their faith in 2022. They would back then, though. Like, yeah, hang me up. You know what I mean? I'll torture me. That's how, like, deeply they believed in it. So for them to, like, step on his face like that is, like, I can't really relate it to anything now because I don't know what you could relate it to because it's, like, the ultimate, you know, turn your back type thing for these people back then and right. you could see every time they do it they when they stepped on his face like it broke both of them you know what yeah. i mean like they was on the they would collapse to the ground they're bawling like they lost it all dude it's really powerful stuff absolutely um a technical note that i wanted to i was reading here a note that it was funny when caitlin uh saw I was watching part of the beginning of the movie and she's like, Ooh, I love how like the saturation of the color, like it looks like there's purposeful um, Mm -hmm. use of color. And then she came back, she did some things and then she came back towards the end of the movie. She's like, Oh, it's a lot more kind of browns and golds. (laughs) I was, I'm reading this note. So I'm really impressed that she picked up on that because it says uh, Scorsese and uh, Prado drew inspiration from painters from the Baroque period 
when determining the color palettes using blue and cyan tones at the beginning and later golden yellow hue, which uh, gave a sense of progression in the color. Huh. So. And that's funny, too, because the Baroque period is my favorite period in history. It's what I was majoring and when I was in college. So, like, that could just be another reason why I really fell in love with this movie, because it has, like, those kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if it ain't Baroque, fix it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I love some uh, Henry Purcell, one of my favorite uh, composers from the Baroque period. So love me some King Arthur. Yes, sir. But yeah, um, Andrew Garfield's amazing. And in 20 years, we'll be saying he's the greatest actor of all time. Wouldn't shock me. And I really don't know what else to say about this movie, except it's, I get why it's a flop, because it was probably, again, I never even heard of it, so it probably poorly promoted, um, long running time for yeah. a casual viewer. Yeah. Um, stuck, in, stuck in a market where we're just being uh, given a lot of, a lot of IP, I mean. Mm-hmm. This is up. This is up against stuff like the Last Jedi, and yeah, you know. yeah, you can't compete with that. Not after. I mean, we're desensitized to it now because Disney bought them, and they've you know sh- shoved Star Wars down our throat the last six years. But you know, when Force Awakens and the Last Jedi came out, like yeah, and Rogue One came out. And- the same you'd been waiting too. a long time for you know new star wars mm-hmm. so like you weren't gonna compete with that dude yeah yeah so you know had what a 50 million budget and made 22 so that's that's harsh that's rough but you know i'm sure i'm sure it's part of the reason why it got put off especially in the early 90s and before or once he, you know, had Goodfellas, he had a, a good, strong box office hit, but he'd been, you know, burned a few times in the 80s there, so. I can't imagine that he thought this was going to do well, though. He's, yeah, at least the money, he's yeah. smart to the business by mm-hmm. now, you know what I mean? Like, the guy's been doing it 40 years at this point when this comes out. I think he knew, you know, yeah. so I don't think he had a goal of making it profitable. I think, like said, Wolf Wall I think Wolf of Wall Street gives him some leeway too. So he's like, all right, I did, I did something. It was a big hit. So let me do the thing I've been trying to get made. Yeah. Which is now that I'm thinking about it, this was his last theatrical movie, ain't it? Cause Currently. after this is the Irishman and everything else he seems to be coming out with is streaming. You know, he's got the Apple TV stuff coming out and, He's doing the one with Paramount. Obviously, he did Irishman with Netflix. Yeah. And I think Netflix did put it in like New York and LA markets, you know, so it can get nominations. But yeah, they, that's they not like a real theatrical release, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and some and AMC doesn't touch Netflix movies. Like they won't show them. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, if mm. Netflix if Netflix has a movie nominated for best picture, AMC does, you know, most, a lot of theaters these days do the, uh, like the marathons where you can go and watch the best picture nominees. Uh huh. If Netflix has a film that's nominated for best picture, it's just not in those. Marathons. Why now? Why is that? Because AMC is petty. 
Mm. Your star. On. So yeah, now that does upset me though that this was his last theatrical release and it was a quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. You know, Hollywood wise. Yeah. It's not yeah, a failure not to me, damn it. Business wise, but not artistically. Right. Oh man. Definitely not artistically. All right. Any other notes? Uh I don't have a note, but I have a question. Okay. This bombing so bad, do you think this is the only time he'll ever team up with Andrew Garfield or Adam Driver? I would like to think not. I mean, he made plenty of bombs with other stars that he kept working with. So Yeah. And it, it pains me to say this. I, I don't think anything other than time would prevent him from wanting to work with him again. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed Marty lives to be a hundred, but we'll, yeah, I we'll mean, see. But he's 79, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and he's already got the next three movies planned out. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and they weren't even the guys that were supposed to be taking these roles. They yeah, were, I seen they were that. The villains. Uh, Gabriel Garcia Bernal and Benicio del Toro. were going to play these roles. Mm. And I'm glad not. Oh, I would have loved that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy with what we got. I would have loved to seen those two together because they're both incredible. I would have better accents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Not to finish on a negative note. Because, like I said, he won me over. All right. Let's get into our worst heat judgments. Trav, where's this sitting on your Thursday? Oh, crap. I had a brain melt. Yeah, so, um, again, I honestly... I don't see any flaws in this movie. I mean, it's insanely well-written. It's beautifully shot. It's incredibly edited well, of course. Um, I We didn't even touch on the score about how there's just... The score is a lot of noise, you know, out, environment. That's really what a lot of the score is. And I really, really dug that. Something I don't think he's ever done before, at least not that I can remember. So yeah, I gave this five stars because, again... I'm pressed to say name a flaw in this movie. Like you can, people can look at it and be like, yeah, it's boring to me or it's too long, but that really has nothing to do with the movie. You know, that's a personal uh, taste thing. So I ranked it five stars. I got to sit in at my number six spot right underneath the Wolf of Wall Street and right above Gangs in New York. Nice. Cool. Zach, where you got this sit? So, uh, I really enjoyed this. I feel like it's something I probably need to, um, revisit with, with more, uh, attention, you know, um, and with maybe a more, not critical eye, but just pay more attention to the conversations and things too. But right now I, I gave it four stars and I've got it at my number 21 right behind Kundun because, even though the acting is better, I I feel I feel just a little bit more with Kundun. Um, that a lot of that goes to my my personal history with the Dalai Lama and the Deacons. But so yeah, number twenty one, four stars for now. And you, as for me, uh, I think this is a beautiful meditation on faith in the face of uh, oh the. Word just dropped in a man. Uh, persecution. persecution. Yep, mm-hmm. there it is. Uh, and 
at the same time, this was a really hard movie for me to side with the protagonists on after watching Spotlight. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, being a man who is not a man of faith, it's normally hard for me to side with people who are out trying to do mission work like this. But yeah. but it is beautiful and it is an interesting meditation on the on a subject that Marty has always had as part of his mm-hmm. his interests. And knowing that he tried to make this for so long and he made a film this beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh I gave it four and a half stars. You know, one one of my worst rankings so far. <laughs> And uh, I have it sitting at my number 18, just above Gangs of New York, which I think is an interesting companion piece, too. Yeah, we both had it right above Gangs of New York. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to call it there. Trap, let people know they can follow you on the media social. I am on the Instagram at ZK Audio, where I'm also on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where your boy is also on Letterboxd, ranking and rating my daily movie watches. Zach, how about you? You can find me on Critiker, Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok at House Havoc, Letterboxd by searching my name. Paul? Uh, you can follow me at Father of Fear across the platforms of Letterboxd and Twitter. And I didn't watch any new movies this week, so oh, yeah, you heard me talk about all the movies I watched this week. Yeah, same here. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> I, did, I did almost go see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies tonight, but I decided to go for a five-mile walk instead. You're putting your health in consideration, so good for you. Yeah. Maybe all he right. just didn't want to stare at Pete Davidson for... Two hours. Oh, butthole eyes. I do. (laughs) I do want to look at Lee Pace for two hours, though. Um, I I can do that all night. Yeah, it's the pie maker. Zach, what are we watching next week? We're actually gonna take a week off, um, and I'll post some Marty interviews or something interesting. But when we come back, we'll be watching the pilot episode of the HBO series Vinyl. Excellent. We would like to thank you, Trav. Hey, yeah, for, for producing our show, producing the show and carrying us this episode. You had a lot of good things to say. Indeed, you did. Oh. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> and you can find Trav on his podcast, Leveling Up Benjamin Banks. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at OscarSpod and on Facebook at the OscarSpod Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Give us five stars. We won't chop off your head if you don't, but we will have hurt feelings. (laughs) Or will we? So, for Tram and Zach, and, you know what, Thelma Shoemaker still just putting in the work. She's so good. I was yeah. going to say, we talked about how old uh, Marty was, and she's 82. She's 82, yeah. and she's still good as ever. Yep. And we would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs>